Thank you, Chase and Elliot, for leading us in worship. Good morning again. It's great to be here today. It's fall break weekend. It's a rainy morning, and uh, yesterday happened. Um, I, I did notice that our Longhorn contention is the 100% in attendance today with Clinton Jim. So uh, they, they made it today. So, but it's a good day, as always, to be in the, in the Lord's house. And thank you for coming out today. I know you got a little wet coming in, and, uh, but it's always good to be together in the fellowship of the Lord and of His people. And uh, we certainly have many friends and family that may be traveling today as fall break comes to an end here in Norman. Last week, as we finished up our uh, Draw Near series, we asked the congregation to complete a card and to offer prayers to the churches that we were in some ways connected to. And uh, as we shared those, as we prayed through those and over those, and as I looked through those, as we shared those with staff, we were just overwhelmed by the response of the congregation of, of you in sharing uh, the churches that you were praying for, that you had a burden for. And, and we wanted to share that with the congregation and let you know how significant that ministry is and will continue to be. Our goal after this morning is to take these cards that are on my right and to, uh, to mail them to the churches that we've been praying for and that you've been praying for, just as a word of encouragement to them. And we wanted you to see those. You may have time, if you didn't before worship, to come by this after we finish today and to look through the different prayer cards from you, from this congregation of those churches that we would be praying for and asking God to minister to as they seek to be the presence of Christ in their community. Many churches in our community, but uh, churches across the nation, even churches across the globe that were represented in, in our prayer cards last week. So we wanted to share that with you as an encouragement to continue to pray for those churches that we love and that we're connected to outside of First Baptist Norman. As I said uh, earlier, as we finished up Draw Near, we begin a series today called Stories of Healing. And I'm excited to be able to, to lead in this and to share through this as we look through Scripture. Um, as I've shared with you before, and, and you've been very gracious, as I've been able to share some of the things I've learned through my healing process. I'll have to confess one point of disappointment, though. Last week, I shared that I had used shampoo for the first time in several months. And uh, one of our church members came back and told me I was wasting the shampoo. So I was a little discouraged about that, but uh, uh, it, it continues to grow, and so we'll celebrate that. But uh, uh, I want us to, to take these next few weeks to, to focus on the gift of healing. And certainly we understand that healing comes in so many different ways. And that we need healing beyond just this physical, what Paul calls this earthen vessel, but that we need healing relationally. We need healing spiritually. We need healing um, emotionally and mentally and in so many different ways. And so as we work through, as we talk through these, these beautiful passages from the New and the Old Testament over these next weeks, I hope that we can have a, a, a big picture of, of where healing is needed and how God brings healing into our lives. So we begin this morning with, I think, is a, is a powerful story. It's a story that simply asks the question, do you want to be healed? Now that may seem like a, an interesting question to ask someone who's sick or not doing well, but I think it is a significant question. We can't assume that someone who is sick and ailing really down deep wants to be ultimately be healed. And so we begin with this beautiful passage in John chapter 5 that asks the question, 
Do we want to be healed? So if you would, turn with me to John chapter 5. And we're going to focus on the first nine verses of this passage today. And I think that we'll pick up on some of these other points over the next uh, three weeks as we look into a couple of the Old Testament stories of healing. We'll begin in verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in, in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? And the sick man answered him, Sir... I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet or your mat, and walk. And immediately the man became well, and he picked up his pallet, and he began to walk. Now let's just look at this text or this passage for a few minutes, and I think it can give some, some understanding into the, the bigger picture. First of all, we begin with what's called a pool by the Sheep Gate. It's sometimes called the, the Pool of Bethesda. Now in chapter in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1, if you'll remember the story of Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem after, during the Babylonian captivity and was heartbroken that the city of Jerusalem was so vulnerable to its enemies. And Nehemiah came back for the purpose of rebuilding the wall. And again, when you rebuilt the wall around cities at that time, it showed, it showed a return and a renewal to life. And that the inhabitants of that city would be able to protect themselves, that they were well and that they were healing, and that they were, again, God's people as the people of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah went back to begin to rebuild the wall. And in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1, what we discover is that the sheep gate was the first gate that was actually uh, rebuilt or, or part of the, that reconstruction process. Now, the sheep gate was that gate through which lambs and sheep were brought to the temple to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. Now, I think we have a map. Did the map come through? Here we go. This is from the, uh, the recreation of Old Jerusalem that's at the Israel Museum, a, a beautiful picture. If you see there the Pool of Bethesda, the porticos that go around where those pools were, you can see there the north wall of the temple and then the Fortress Antonina, which is where the Roman garrison was stationed. And again, it's close proximity to the temple so that it could help keep the peace. Um, the western wall, obviously, there's the north wall, would be there on the right on down further. Uh, but notice under the eye in Antonina, Antonia, notice there's a little gate there. That's the sheep gate. And so you can see, again, its proximity to the temple so that those that were bringing their sheep or their lambs into the city, they could come through that sheep gate around the fortress right into the temple area without having to go through the broader 
uh, Jerusalem city. Now notice the out, outer wall there is that, again, that's an outer wall of Jerusalem that goes down in Jesus' time that would have gone down into the, the Kidron Valley. And on the other side of the valley was the Garden of Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives. So maybe that can give you a little bit of perspective. But here on this occasion, Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. And there he went by the Pool of Bethesda. Now what we're, we're told is that the Pool of Bethesda is, is a place where the sick and the, the hurting would come and that they would, would lie hoping for a miracle, hoping that the waters would be stirred and that they would find healing. But before we, we, we focus on that a little bit more, I, I want to remind us, isn't it fascinating, ironic, isn't it, maybe there's something there to it, that Jesus was passing through the Sheep Gate and in this story, we have a picture of what the Sheep Gate is all about. In John chapter 10, I believe it's verses 7 through 9, Jesus proclaims that He is the Sheep Gate. And that as the Sheep Gate, all those that enter through Him, all those that enter through the Sheep Gate, find salvation, find healing, find redemption. And they're able from that Sheep Gate to go in and out and find pasture. Again, Jesus is not only the sheep gate, but the shepherd who would take those out of the sheep gate into those uh, green pastures and alongside those quiet waters. So we have a powerful and beautiful picture here that the, the, the sheep gate is entering in by the sheep gate and there comes alongside a pool to that place where there are broken sheep, where there are sheep that are hurting, where there are sheep that are needing to be cared for and, and cured and healed. Isn't it interesting that we talk about the pool of Bethesda? We talk about the healing properties of water. Notice in your text in John chapter 5 that there's a parenthesis around about halfway through verse uh, 3 and verse 4. And what that parenthesis is, you'll notice, is a textual, it's a textual reference that this is most likely an addition that was added to the scripture later on by scribes. For these, this part of the text is not found in the earliest manuscripts that we have discovered. And so what was taking place is that the, the, the editor, if you would, wanted to make sure that we understood the story behind Bethesda, the pool at Bethesda. That this was a, a place where people would go, where they would wait and they would expect to find healing. And the legend was that as the waters were stirred, and, and we don't know exactly what that meant. It could mean that there was a, maybe a spring underneath it that would, would activate every once in a while. Maybe there was a, a, a natural gas underneath that pool that would escape at times and create a disturbance in the water. Maybe there, there would be an earthquake, right? In Oklahoma, we've discovered about these minor, uh, minor earthquakes that at times you can hardly feel but still stirs the ground in which we live. But whatever was going on was, was part of the, the, the teaching there, the, the, the legend, the, the miracle that was taking place in that, in that water was that they would be stirred and the first one in the pool, the first one in the water would, would be healed. Now, even today we talk about the healing properties of water. When we were in Israel, we had the opportunity to go down to the Dead Sea. 
And one of the great things we did as we, we got in the Dead Sea is, is you discovered that it was so full with, with minerals that, that your skin would feel differently uh, when, when you got out. And what we've discovered is that there are, are ways in, in skin diseases and other things that, that can be healed through uh, mineral waters and through natural springs. In fact, there's, there's a lot of superstition and folklore around this idea, but there's also a science, the science of balneology, in which it's a, a, a science in which of, of studying and discovering what treatments can be given and had simply uh, by bathing and being in water. Reported benefits of being in hot springs uh, are that they relieves arthritis. It helps with fibromyalgia, certain skin diseases like psoriasis, eczema, and even high blood pressure. But at minimum, soaking in hot springs is, is a great way to relax and to reduce our stress, which certainly is responsible for many of our ailments. We have a picture here. I think this is the, the Blue Lagoon in, in Iceland. Notice that these are people from literally from all over the world come to, to soak and to swim in these waters. Notice the people on the outside all have on coats and long pants. And the people on the inside in the water are there in, in their bathing suits soaking and enjoying the minerals of that water. And again, uh, the, the superstition, the folklore around the healing properties of that. And again, those that would, would claim that, that it has brought relief in certain ways. So here we find ourselves at this pool of Bethesda. And it carries with it this, this hope and this expectation that healing can be found. And again people that are lame, that are hurting, that are sick, around those porticos waiting for the waters to be stirred. You know, I, I can't help but imagine and believe that that wasn't Jesus' first trip to the porticos around the, the pool of Bethesda. You see, Jesus sought out the hurting, the sick, the lame, those that were struggling with life. And I can't help but believe that Jesus had made His way there before, loving on and, and caring for and nurturing uh, the people around there. Maybe there were other healings that took place as Jesus would gather around the sick there. But on this example, on this instant, we know of the healing of this one man. A man by the pool. It's interesting the things that we learn about this man. We discover that he was there for 38 years. Now in John chapter 9, in, in the healing story that follows in John chapter 9, what we discover is that this blind man was born blind, that he'd always been that way. But I think the inference here in, in John chapter 5 is, is that this man wasn't born this way, that this is a, an ailment, a disease, a sickness, uh, maybe uh, some kind of paralysis that had taken place maybe through an accident or, or through a disease at some point in his life where he had lost mobility, where he had lost the ability to function healthily. In fact, he'd grown lame to the point where he could no longer make his way down the stairs in order to get into the water and probably was taken to the pool daily by, by friends. But they weren't able to stay and to help him at a later time. But this man would go every day hoping or maybe hopeless of getting into the stirred waters. Again, this man had been there for 38 years. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 14 tells us that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 38 years before they entered into the promised land. So 
if you would, if you'd allow your imagination to go with me, here we are right outside the sheep's gate heading into Jerusalem with the gate of the sheep getting ready to pass into Jerusalem, the temple area, and now the gate of the sheep coming to this lame, sick man, one who's been wandering in the wilderness of his sickness, of his illness and disease for 38 years, and now the sheep gate comes into his presence Offering salvation, healing, redemption. Offering now the ability to pass in and out of the city, out of life, to pastures and to healing. We have a picture here, again, of an artist's renditioning of, of what was taking place. You can see the, the pool there, the people down bathing and enjoying that. And then you can see where there would be a, a lame person at the top that would be waiting and hoping to get into the waters when they were stirred. 38 years wandering in his sickness, in his illness, in his lameness, wandering through a wilderness of life, hoping that one day he too might pass into the promised land, cross the Jordan into a life of health and healing. So the question that we want to ask us today, in the midst of our own wanderings, in the midst of our own failings, in the midst of our own illnesses, in the midst of our own brokenness, do you wish to get well? Or do you wish to continue to wander along in the wilderness? Do you wish to continue to, to lay there by the pool, just hoping someday that someone's going to come along? Do you wish to get well? It seems like a silly question, but this man's answer reveals that it's not. For you see, he didn't say, yes, I do want to get healed, or, or no, I do not want to get healed. But I think that his answer reveals the, the condition of his heart. He says, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. Is that a statement of hopelessness? Well, yeah, I'd like to get healed, but there's nobody to help me. Or maybe it's a statement of hope. You know, if I just had someone, if I just had someone that would come and, and help me, would you be that person? Maybe this man is giving us an excuse. Well, you know what? I'd love to be healed, but you know, I don't have anybody to come and help me. My, my family, my friends, they, they, they've left me here. They've deserted me here. And, and, and I, just, I, I just can't get well. You know, it's not my fault I'm sick and lame. Maybe this is an answer that reflects an excuse. Or maybe it's an answer that's a confession. It's a confession that says, you know what, the only thing I need, the only thing I need to get well is just for someone to come alongside of me. And I confess that and I, and I hope that. And I live by that confession. Oh, that just someone would come and help me. Hope or hopelessness. Excuses, it's not my fault. Or confession, I need help. And maybe as this man has answered this question, maybe all four of those at different moments in his life are the answer and the meaning of that question. But with compassion, with compassion on this man, Jesus speaks words of healing to him. He says, arise, pick up your mat and walk. Isn't it interesting here that Jesus doesn't ask for faith? 
He simply speaks healing into this man's life. And immediately the scripture says, he became well and he picked up his mat and he began to walk. After 38 years of wandering in the wilderness, he took up his mat and he entered into the promised land of his healing. And what about you? Do you wish to get well? Have you been wandering in the path of your wilderness through illness, through pain, through brokenness, through hurt? Do you really want to get well? Or has your journey through the wilderness been so long now that you are filled with hopelessness and excuses? Are you tired of waiting on the waters to stir, hoping that someone will come alongside and help you get in? Are you tired of blaming others? Are you tired of just waiting and hoping? Today, today I believe that Jesus comes to us and He stands before us as the gate between healing and our sickness and our hurting. I'd like to take just a few moments to, to offer three Maybe three initial steps, three initial ways that we can respond to this question. Do you wish to get well? The first step I would encourage you to take is that we need to admit our need for healing. At some point along the way, we, we need to confess with our mouth, with our heart, with our mind that I need healing. I need help. I need recovery. I'm sick. I'm broken. I'm hurting. My life is out of control. I'm dying. Or are you in denial? You know, my, my problem's not that bad. I can, I can solve this on my own. I, I can take care of myself. Well, friend, if that were true, would you be in the mess that you are today? One man said this, The road to healing for me began when the acid of my pain finally ate through the wall of my denial. It's a powerful statement. He, he said the road of healing for him began when the acid of his pain finally ate through the wall of his denial. There are many of us here today that are still in the midst of denial. We are in the midst of denial that we have a problem, that, that we're sick, that we're broken, that we're hurting, that our life is out of control. And the first step that anyone must take in order to begin that journey of healing is to confess and to admit, I, I need to be healed. I've been through this journey recently. We received the diagnosis of cancer and, and we were so busy with, with trying to get to doctors and appointments and scans and, and, and I was able to, to put that in the front part of my, my mind and, and my brain and I felt fine and, and was going to continue on and, and, and continue to work and continue to, to do all that I need. And then one day, I got an email from one of you. And someone who'd been out for a week or two, and, and their email was very gracious and compassionate. And, and, and they said, I've been away for a couple of weeks, 
and I just got the news, and I didn't realize you were so sick. And you know what my first response was? I'm not sick. And then it dawned on me. <laughs> You've got cancer. <laughs> You're sick. You've got cancer, and you've got to admit that and come to grips with that and to realize that in order to get well, you have to understand that you are sick, that you have cancer. And that was a powerful aha moment for me to be able to offer that confession to the Lord and to myself that you are sick and you need to begin a journey of, of healing and it's going to have some implications on your life and for, for the way you live and, and work and relate over these next months. Do you wish to get well? The first thing you have to do is to realize, I'm sick. I've got cancer. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is after admitting that you have a problem, Secondly, you need to acknowledge your problem. You need to understand the nature or the cause of your problem. Someone would say, well, well I don't really fully understand what, what's going on. I really don't understand why I'm not feeling good physically, why emotionally I'm, I'm not feeling good. I, I really don't understand. Well, then hear these words today. Arise. Pick up your mat and Walk. By this I mean, would, would this morning, would you make the commitment that you need to discover what is at the root of your, your struggle? What's at the root of your illness? What's at the root of, of your not feeling good? What's at the root of your relational struggles today? Would, would you make that commitment right now to say, uh, yes, I know that there's something that's not right, but I don't really know what that is. Would you make the commitment to discover to acknowledge and to identify what that problem is. Maybe it means you need to go see your doctor, get a physical checkup and examination. Maybe it means you need to go to a, a medical health professional to help you unpack the hurts and the pains and, and the layers of life that have come upon you. Maybe it means that you need to make an appointment with a, a marriage counselor so that you can go in and understand why your marriage is struggling and why it seems to be so broken in this moment. Maybe you need to join a 12-step program like Celebrate Recovery to help with addictions or to help with destructive behavior in your life. Maybe you would call and make an appointment with one of our ministers, a pastor, to come in and just seek some spiritual counsel and wisdom. Or maybe you just need to be honest with yourself. And say, I'm an alcoholic. Or say, I'm addicted to opiates. Maybe you need to just confess to yourself, pornography is ruining my life. My marriage is broken. I've got diabetes or some other, I've got cancer or some other disease. Maybe you just need to come to that place where you acknowledge that. Maybe you just need to acknowledge that, you know what? I'm dying. We're all dying. We're all going to die unless the Lord returns. And maybe you're at that place in your life where you just need to acknowledge that and ask the Lord to come to walk with you and bring comfort during that journey. 
The second step to healing, I believe, is acknowledging and discovering and learning what what that problem is. The third step that I want us to move to, because I think we have to admit and acknowledge that we have this problem, because the third step is that we just need to accept and receive God's offer of help. When the shepherd comes by and we're we're laying there and, and he says, do you want to be healed? Yes, Lord, heal me. Come alongside of me. Allow the Lord to say, arise. Pick up your palate and walk. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 43. Let me pull this up. Here's the God that wants to help you. Listen to the psalmist here in Psalm 43, verses 1 through 3. But now, says, thus says the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is, this is a promise to God's people here to the, the, the Israelites. Today, to those that, that call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. Listen to these words. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, Healer, Redeemer. God wants to come alongside of us and offers us to this gift of, of healing, this gift to, to walk with us, to encourage us, to help us. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This word rest means relief from your trouble, relief from your anxiety, relief from your stress. Oh, are you weary? Are you heavy laden today? The Lord says, call upon me. Come to me and let me help you. In 1 John 1.9, John writes, If we confess our sin, we realize our spiritual condition before the Lord. If we confess our sin, the Lord is faithful to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us, to heal us, to renew us from all of our unrighteousness. If you ask God for help, have you, have you been willing to receive His help? Do you know that God loves you and God wants to come alongside of you and walk with you during this time? Do you wish to get well? Do you wish to get well? This morning, I pray that our stories of healing will continue. And maybe for some of us, we'll even begin today as we admit our need for healing as we acknowledge our problem, our our struggle, our illness, our brokenness, and as we accept God's offer to help. Are you tired of wandering in the wilderness? The wilderness of your sickness, your brokenness, your pain. Then hear the Lord say to you today, arise, take up your mat, and walk. In just a minute as we have our time of response, I would invite you to, to, to come and to begin that time of prayer, that, that admission to the Father, that, that confession to the Father that, that I'm sick, I'm in need. Acknowledge your hurt, your pain, your brokenness and receive God's invitation for Him to help and to come alongside of you as you begin, this is just the beginning, as you begin your journey of healing.
Let's pray.